0: Hello and welcome to Gifts of the Weird. I'm Jan, your host, and we are here to talk about Trothmoot 2019. Trothmoot was held in June up in the Seattle area, and I was thrilled to be able to attend this year. And I have with me as a guest, Luke Babb. Luke also attended Trothmoot, and this was their first time uh, attending Trothmoot. And I'm really excited to talk about their experiences and the the really fun times that we had during that, that weekend. Luke is an uh, eclectic polytheist who lives in Chicago, Illinois. They are the herald at the Chicago Temple of the Fellowship of the Phoenix, a member of the Troth, and a staff columnist for the Wild Hunt. Welcome to Gifts of the Weird, Luke. Thanks, Jan. Thanks for having me. You bet. I'm just really glad that you wanted to come along and talk Trothmoot with me. This is so exciting. And First of all, it was great to meet you in person after reading your columns on The Wild Hunt and hearing about you and having a couple of high regards saying, you've got to pay attention to this Luke Babb. And I'm like, okay.
1: that That's very flattering. Thanks very much. Yeah, it was really good to meet you too. Um, I got a chance to meet a lot of folks who I knew by reputation or online, but it was really, really good to put names to faces.
0: It is. Well, let's talk about Trothmood First of all, what is Trothmood Trothmood is a weekend conference held by the Troth. It contains the annual business meeting. Troth is an inclusive organization that involves a lot of people from all aspects of heathenry in general. And it's really a great international organization because people can bring their experiences and share them with like-minded folks who want to discuss topics of the gods and their practices and And the greatest part is is it's it's inclusive, meaning that the Germanic spirituality is not used for bigotry or racism or any other type of barring of people for things such as ability and age and gender, gender identity, sex, things like that. So uh, it's really a place where people can come and have some safety to talk about their practices. Uh, There's a lot of different practices within heathenry, such as Asatru, Vanatru, other aspects where people practice Norse paganism, Norse witchcraft, and they can all feel like they have a place where they can talk about those practices and and encourage one another to pursue them. And Trothmoots a great way. It, It meets once a year, and it's usually a Thursday through a Sunday event, and it bounces from one side of the country to the other and stops in the middle on alternate years. And that way it gets an opportunity to be kind of close to a lot of people. And we just have a really nice time meeting new folks and meeting people we only know online. And maybe even having a chance to have a few workshops, rituals, and experiences. So um, I've been to Trothmoot before. I was there in 2013 when it was held here in California. But Luke, this was kind of your first time, wasn't it? It
1: was, yeah. It is. It's not something I've ever had a chance to do in terms of I haven't been to a large pagan festival before. So this was the first for me for a lot of reasons.
0: We need to get you out to PantheaCon then at some point in San Jose in the in the President's Day weekend. It's
1: on my bucket list. Absolutely. Have you heard of it? Yeah, uh, I have heard of it for a lot of reasons. Among them, that it's right down the street from the Winchester Mystery House. But I have been told that that is really the place to be if you're at all interested in being in uh, American paganism right now.
0: It really is. There's a lot of neat things that happen at PantheaCon. And um yeah. One of these days you'll be out, come on out and uh, hopefully we'll see you there as well. But Trothmoot, what did you expect when you thought, okay, hey, I'm going to go to Trothmoot? What what kind of prompted you to want to go to this event? That must have been maybe a little little scary or a little like, I don't know what's going to happen there. What kind of people I'm going to meet? Although you kind of know that they're going to be okay, right? Well,
1: I mean, you know, it, it was deeply terrifying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I... Have Like I said, haven't done this sort of thing before. Uh, Didn't really have a good understanding of the space that I was going to be in. And uh, like as a queer person, I have all sorts of like, I I, I like knowing the space, right? And I like knowing who's going to be there. And so I was going to go out into the middle of the woods in the Pacific Northwest with a bunch of strangers. And uh, either it would be fine. Or I would get back into my car and go back to Seattle and have eat a fish. And that would also be fine. Um, but I, uh, I was going in with big hopes. But uh, the reason that I decided to go this year, the reason that I finally was like, nope, this will be my first one. And this is, this is something that I really feel like I need to be at. Was the this would be the first year that the Troth was uh, honoring Loki at the events. And I thought that that was really something I wanted to be present for.
0: Yeah, that's a, that was a really big event this year. And a little background about that, and we won't go too deep into it because we'll talk about that probably at another episode. But, you know, for 10 years, there was this sort of unofficial official ban on Loki being allowed to be hailed at public events or sports events sponsored by troth now it didn't mean that a person joining the troth couldn't worship loki or hold their own practices or uh, even in their own local kindreds and groups uh, honor loki but at a troth specific uh, the the official and an official bloat or hailing and thing were not allowed and that was put in place by a the the leadership uh, over 10 years ago and it's been, work, been worked on by many of the Troth leaders since then to to have it overturned. And this year, earlier this year, it actually was. And to a lot of people who are very pleased about that, and including myself, I was very happy to see that that was overturned and allowed to be freely. So this year on the, the program schedule was a bloat uh, entirely devoted to Loki himself. And that was actually pretty
1: awesome. Yeah, it really was. I was also, I had started to actually become pretty good friends on Facebook with Lori Wood, who was one of the organizers there and who very much was a, a part of encouraging me to come. Lord,
0: Lori's course, pretty so. awesome. When she encourages you, you better listen.
1: <laughs> Encourage, strongly worded letter to follow.
0: <laughs> how, is your arm, how is your arm feeling from all of that twisting and pushing um, up you your back? You know what? <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm doing Okay. <laughs>
0: So what were some of the things that you found at Trothmoot kind of interesting or what What, what did you like or, or, or what's...
1: I loved it just from the start to the end. I had a great time. I really felt connected to the community. I think that's the, like, I'll go into the details of like, this event was really cool in a second. But overall, I think that the thing that really sort of stood out to me was how... Good it felt to be in community, but um there's a lot of different kinds of heathens in the world who do a lot of different kinds of very specific practice. I felt like we were all there talking the same language and all very welcoming to each other and excited to hear about each other's things and I was just very i was just very moved by that in a lot of different ways.
0: It's interesting to me how when we get into a big group like that, being in person as opposed to being online and just interacting online, it really brings to life in a whole different way people. And sometimes you, after having these online relationships, it makes it a little more comfortable meeting somebody in person for the first time because you have sort of an extended history. Or if you've seen them in groups posting things mm. or talking about things, I always kind of find it kind of neat to put those faces and voices and personalities to those names and things. And because we're there for a a similar reason, which is to support inclusive heathenry and it kind of gives us a common ground right away. So it kind of ups the layer of, of connectivity. Yeah. I I really do think
1: so. Um, And I think, was it, somebody at Grand Sumble talked about how when you're in person, it, it does change that, that, feeling of connection and it makes you more able to interact with people online in, in a better way. Like, you know, that maybe they came off a little bit of an asshole right then, but they're, they're a really good guy. You've drunk with them or um, they're, ha- they're going through some stuff right now and that's fine. Like, I think that there's, there really is a level of, just community support and like well wishing almost that happens in person in a way that it just doesn't online.
0: I agree with you. I think, I think we were talking about that when we were trying to find the owner of the extension cord at the house with the picket fence that turned out to be right. under construction. <laughs> One of the cool things that I found about mm-hmm. uh, Trothmoot this year were the vase. And one of the cool things was is they had these tiny little buildings that were like little classrooms, probably twenty by twenty. And we got to set up a uh, a vei, which is a an altar or shrine to different gods. The first night year that I was at Trothmoot, they were like pop up tents and little tables or cloths and things just set out in a special area. But this was buildings, which to me was like, wow, these are like mini temples. These are so uh, I mean, cool. would mean, not to you show my hand
1: too early because this is uh, definitely going to be what I'm writing about for the wild hunt this month. But I was, again, one of those things that you don't realize you're missing until something is happening. I had not realized how strange and rare and special it is to have a place that is marked out specifically for your worship. So... I really like when I'm traveling, looking at different holy spaces, right? Visiting temples or mosques or things along those lines. And I had never been in one that was specifically for the heathen gods, any of the heathen gods. And uh, I was one of the first people there when we first started doing setup on Thursday, I think it was. And uh, that meant that I was one of the people who was able to help Lisa unpack her trunk and get the vase started to get setting up. And it was one, such, such a great communal experience to build this like place of worship together. And two, just as they took form, it was just really beautiful because people would bring their own items. And I'm, I'm a big fan of shared altar spaces in general, but people would bring their own items and each of them developed their own like very distinct personality. You could tell, whose room you were in pretty much as, as soon as you entered. And it, it was just, I had a great time doing it. I was really excited to be able to be a part of that. But also I was just sort of like struck by how present the gods were in each of those spaces.
0: I agree. It was really neat to to see them take the personality of the gods and goddesses that we know. And then the care that each each one was given by not only the person or persons who sent it set it up, but by the people who would go in and either contribute something to the altar space or just sit there quietly and absorb the presence of that that deity. It was really, like neat. I said,
1: that's not really a thing that I've seen people really get a chance to do all that often. In terms of like, how often do you get to go somewhere that isn't just your own personal altar, right? And commune with the spirits. There is really something to having a space set aside. That's not just your space, but also like a communal space. But yeah, it was great. I really loved it. I kept going back over the course of the weekend. And I feel like very rarely was I there by myself. Almost always I would walk in and somebody would already be there. So I think that that was not just important to me, which it was, but also really important to the community.
0: Did you get a chance to visit all of the VAs or were you kind of unable to visit each one because of time and conversation actually, um, and socializing? And I would things?
1: actually go out and visit them each in turn. Uh, so I think I visited each of them multiple times. Oh, great. Even the, uh, awesome. even the ones that I don't know as well. So I hadn't really heard about Nihalenia until we spoke. And I only know Frau Holde in passing by reputation, mostly by the, uh, by the old like fairy tale versions, but it was, but mm-hmm. I was still really, I still really enjoyed their spaces and sort of like visiting them. And it was less, I guess, familiar, but still really beautiful. It's it's it's
0: neat because when you can go into a a space set aside like this for someone you're not familiar with, it kinda helps you to maybe get a chance to connect with them or to learn about them in a a sort of in a 3D way because now you get to feel the presence of someone who actively connects with them and works with them.
1: One of the gods that I'm working on my own relationship with right now is Friga. And it was it was she had such a lovely space. And That's because, at least in part, it was curated by one of the the people who are now officially Troth clergy, who uh, were going through their finals, basically, during that time, who had just really pulled out all the stops. And it was such a beautiful, understated altar that had been set up. And I really felt like I could feel that Mm -hmm. version of Frigga very clearly, which was really cool.
0: It was. Mm -hmm. It was a beautiful altar space, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. So
1: some of the other things that happen at
0: Trothmoot are workshops and rituals. And there were a few workshops. uh, We'll talk about workshops and then we'll go into rituals because we had some really fun, uh, really cool rituals.
1: I went to everything that I could go to. I filled every single piece of the schedule. So, just reminding myself of what everything was. So, the first day I really enjoyed, I mean, the first day was mostly ritual, you're right. Second day was when the things really got started. And that day I went to the clergy showcase, yeah, which yeah. was when the Godfolk candidates were doing their uh, individual bloats for consideration for membership in the clergy which was beautiful. And I loved because it was like, we sort of moved around the grassy space, which was this big sort of like field that had these, uh, they're technically schoolrooms And we sort of moved around. So the Frigga bloat was in front of Frigga's vey and the altar was actually brought out. The Thor bloat was in, fr- in front of Thor's vey and just sort of very much like in the grass and then the, the vanier bloat was actually sort of behind the vase and in the shade of the trees, which I thought that was, I thought that was very fitting.
0: <laughs> not only because it protected us from Sunna's kisses, but <laughs> it was right, you're right, it was right close to those tall trees and all of that tall green grass, and it was very fitting to be amongst all of that.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm still, I'm still very new in the troth. I have not yet hit my year and a day. So one of the things I do here in Chicago is I am the educational director of the Chicago branch of the Fellowship of the Phoenix. So I spend a lot of time thinking about like, what does it mean to do magical education? What, is it thing to, what does it mean to do uh, religious education? Uh, what sort of things do people need in modern pagan society to, to serve the folk, to serve their community? And I really think that the Troth has one of the better programs out there Uh, that really tries to answer all of those questions and is committed to doing it well. And it was really lovely and really useful for me to be able to see three of the different godfolk and how their approaches differ, but are also all very shaped by that education.
0: Well, I'm glad to have you be a part of that because I I think that uh, we need people that want to continue good education and have a safe space. Well, that's going to be awesome.
1: That's the hope.
0: So uh, one of the cool workshops that we saw was the Loki's wager presentation, which was like a play.
1: Yeah, Cascadia Freehold, ripping it up. It was great.
0: They did. <laughs> that was so fun. Now for those who don't understand what Loki's wager is, do you want to describe basically what it was or you want um, me
1: to? I'm I'm happy to. So this was a retelling of the myth in which Loki gets me old here uh essentially is the is the long term answer to how that works but it's uh it's the myth where you know he steals he cuts off all of Sif's hair and then is forced to make up for it
0: and then he pits these dwarves together mm mm-hmm against each other to make something. And then we get all sorts of other things. We get Dropnir, we get uh, Gulenbersti, the ship uh, for Frey. We get this, the spear. The spear. Man, there's just so many cool things. And of course, Mjolnir. And Cascadia mm-hmm. Freehold did such a fun, time, fun, fun job of putting this little play together with the people that they had with the yarn beards and flies on a string. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. It was it was a really fun, uh, light part of, of Trostman. I really enjoyed it.
1: And I, it was also really cool because um, one of the things that I was talking to people about afterwards is this sort of idea of myth reenactment and that being a thing that you can do as like an aspect of worship. Uh, and then Kara Freya's daughter also had a really good version of that, which was a little bit less... I don't know, it was a little bit less silly and also a little bit more silly. It was less structured, how about that? Mm -hmm. Where what we did was we had somebody tell the myth of Thrymaskvitha, which is the myth in which... Thor's hammer is lost and we find out that the giant Thrym has taken it and he demands that he be given Freya to marry in order to give it back and they send Thor dressed as Freya to the wedding mm-hmm. to get back, to get back Mjolnir which is one of my absolute favorite myths and so we had somebody read that and then we sort of cast all of the people in the myth out of the people who were there so somebody was playing Thor, somebody was playing Loki, someone was playing Mjolnir, somebody was playing oh, really? Freya's cloak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what you would do is you would go through a little bit of it and like everybody would be in, reenacting it and then you would stop and then she would go around and point to each of the people and ask, so what have you been experiencing? Like what? How do you feel about this right now? And uh, I think we all had moments of insight into the myth that we wouldn't have gotten otherwise. From how other people were telling the story, how they were reacting, what their characters were feeling that we wouldn't necessarily have come up with on our own. That was really cool.
0: Sounds like it. And I've, I've done things with Kara before, and she really is an amazing person with that kind of stuff. And I really love her connection and the way she can pull those things together and make them come to 3D life, just come alive. She's a real blessing to the community. Absolutely. So let's move on to and talk to some of the rituals that happened. Oh, sure. We will save the the big ritual uh, for last. How about that? Because that's the one we can really, really chat about. It's the most exciting one. So part of the rituals were uh, the first ritual, which was to tear, to kind of hold the land space open for us and to create a safe space of harmony and friendship. And then the uh, ritual to Iduna. Iduna is the patron goddess of the Troth. So uh, we have some really good rituals with that. Were you? Uh, did you attend both of those? I did,
1: yeah. Those were, those were really cool. I was really excited to see sort of a, a Troth ritual, how it was specific to, to this tradition. And I had never seen anything like the land taking before, the raising of the glove. And that was a very cool thing. I somehow ended up being the drummer for it because Lisa had to go inside and just handed me a drum. And I've never, never in my life drummed before. Uh (laughs) That sounds like Lisa, here, take this. Yep, yep. (laughs) Here, take this. And I was like, okay, all right. I'm I'm just going to... Do a fairly steady beat and we'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> but I really liked taking a moment to set aside time for Tyr. Tyr is not a god that I had worked with like extensively in the past. I thought that it was a really good idea to invoke him at the beginning of a group where we don't all know each other. And we're in the woods for three days. Uh, and we want to have a good time and also get to know each other better. And he is... It's good to have somebody whose eye is on justice in that situation.
0: Yeah, I agree. Especially because when we're just getting to know each other, it's good to have a, a place where, you know, let's just set aside a lot of things and get to know each other as people and humans and and uh, try to work from that aspect of it. And I think Tyr is really good for that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I do too.
0: And the Aduna bloat was wonderful. Uh, I really loved how. I mean, both both of those bloats had a lot of people at it. Have you ever been around a lot of people and ritual? I mean, how does that feel? Uh,
1: so before this, I had only ever been to one heathen samble, uh, and I think we topped out at around twenty. Which obviously, any of the any of the bloats at Trothmoot doubled that easily. Easily, and so. It was, those two in the Grand ensemble were very, very cool and also very powerful because it was, I really enjoyed seeing how invested everybody was the whole time. Because, you know, that horn can take a long time to pass. <laughs> yes,
0: it can. <laughs> and if you're doing three rounds, even longer.
1: Mm-hmm. But I feel like everybody was really present for it and really excited to hear everybody else's thoughts. And... It was really powerful in a lot of ways, including just like raising energy. I thought that it was very effective.
0: I think so too. And so it was really great to crunch apples in honor of Idun in a big crowd of over 50 people. I I think I counted around 45 or 50 people. So it was in a giant circle overlooking the Seattle Sound. It was really amazing.
1: It was also, I thought, really cool to see some of the traditions that have sort of risen up in the troth itself. The um the Aduna Bloat had this portion where everybody had brought water from their home, water that meant something to them, from a body of water that meant something to them. And we had water from all the Trothmoots past, and we sort of poured all of those together and used that to do the asperging, uh, which one, I appreciate not getting hit in the face with liquor, uh, so that was great. But two, it was also just this really beautiful moment of connection in a really physical way. I also think you and I were the two people who had forgotten our water and had to like get to the circle and then take off at a run to get it and get back. So I appreciated that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, all oh, right, this is where we need
0: our water. So I had to run up, fortunately, the ritual was right outside of where we were we were housed. So I could run up the stairs and run back down.
1: Oh. And when I saw you take off, I was like, oh, wow, and just took off running for the cars uh, because I had gotten <laughs> that thing through airport security, and there was no way <laughs> I was going to forget it at the moment of.
0: <laughs> yeah, fun fun things that would happen at Rituals. Those are good stuff. So let's talk about the really significant – they're all significant, but let's talk about the Loki bloat. And uh, just how amazing and wonderful that was. And I do know that I counted, I think, 56 people were circled up for that bloke, which had to have been.
1: Well, including, I think, most of the Reed.
0: Yes, I I think everyone on the read was there. If they weren't, it was because they were probably dealing with something else. Because this was a very important aspect of, of this troth mood and a very important ritual. It was led by Lisa and Gary, and they were definitely very excited to honor Loki for the way that he's helping so many people.
1: Yeah, I'd be really interested to hear how did you, like, what did you think of it? Because I have my own feelings and I can go about and about them for, for a long time. But uh, I work pretty, pretty extensively with Loki. And I know that you don't necessarily as much. So I'd be interested to hear like your impressions.
0: Sure. For me, I, I don't work extensively with Loki. I was just really thrilled to be in the presence of so much love and comfort and a, a space of mm-hmm. peace that was there. There was just like the space of peace that settled uh, when the, when the, when everyone finally got around together. And when we just kept enlarging the circle, every time new people would show up, we'd have to make the circle bigger, which I thought was pretty cool as well. And I appreciate that Loki has opened his halls to people who are considered outcasts in our society today. So people who like me are part of the LGTBQ community and uh, people who feel like they have nowhere else to turn. And Loki seems to be the welcoming person that gives us encouragement and strength and uh, value and i love that and i and i was glad to be a part of a lot of people that could that i mean we can always do that on our own in other places but here as part of the troth which is a welcoming organization that we could do that officially and raise a horn and and raise our voices and our hearts to connect each, with each other in unity around uh, this this person who really catches a bad rap about a lot of stuff
1: yeah yeah I uh, yeah I think that you're right there. I have done some writing in the past about uh, Loki in, in just that in just that way, uh, the way of like accepting outcasts and really making. I mean, one of his by names is modern by names is Mother of Monsters, and that sort of people who are not given a space or are mm-hmm. intentionally cast out of society. Uh, often, I think, find a, a really loving space with him. I don't want to say he's the only god who does that. I know Odin has a has a great, uh, a great deal of queerness to him, and is often a, a place that people find that that strength as well. But it was really great to see. I know there were several people at the. Float specifically who were very, very moved. I don't want, I want to say moved to tears, but I can't promise that's true, but very, very moved to be able to hail him publicly and with their community.
0: Yeah, it was, it was really wonderful. There's a lot of people that I know who are very close followers and I know this meant a lot to them. People who have been a part of the truth for a very long time and who have sought a long time to see this changed. Mm Mm-hmm. So for the fact that it was changed now this year, uh, it really meant a lot to them. And I was really, really happy to see that.
1: And th- so right after the bloat, there was a possessory ritual that Diana Paxson and Hrafnar put on. And a couple of people brought Loki in. It was mostly Odin, but Loki came in a couple of times. And I think that my my response to the Loki bloat and how effective it was or what it did, et cetera, et cetera, uh, can really be summed up by that because Loki can be a... Angry, upset kind of guy. Sometimes, like you've read the myths, that there is some truth there. There is the world breaker aspect of him as well. But he was so happy and so affectionate and so just really delighted when he was called through that that evening. That I think that that says a lot about the bloat and how effective it was and the connections that it forged between the people who work with Loki and him and also between the community itself.
0: Well, wow, that's really cool. I was at that Odin and Loki party and uh, I didn't get a chance to chat with Loki through the people that he worked through, but uh, I did see that he was working with small little groups of people. So I'm really glad to hear that, that feedback from you. That's really cool. I'm glad that he was pleased.
1: Yeah, lots of, lots of just good feelings all around. It really was.
0: Uh, I think a lot of people are really excited to move forward and to have more discussions about how Loki is working with people today. I mean, we have these stories about things, from, but those are so old. I mean, maybe he works differently now.
1: And, I mean, I think that there is something to be said for... Uh, how those stories are interpreted and under what lens they're interpreted. And I think that there is this sort of inherent bias that a lot of us come with because we come from Christian backgrounds of needing there to be a bad guy who's not questionable, right? Who doesn't have motives, who's just bad. Uh, And I think a lot of the time when reading the myths, that's a really easy trap to get to fall into with him. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think he's much more complicated than that.
0: Yeah, he is speaking of some rituals there were some that kind of spontaneously popped up at vase did you attend any of those
1: yeah i was really delighted by those i i was able to attend the the vanir bloat which uh was specifically i think for frere and freya that happened i think friday that was that was really nice the ve that was set up for the vanir had a Freya altar pretty much immediately, um, but did not actually have a Freya altar. And somebody had hung a green man uh, cloth on the wall, which was beautiful, but there wasn't actually a space for him. And so uh, since I was one of the people who started setting things up, I was like, well, this won't do. And I went and got one of my cloths, which was a green cloth, and I set up one of the tables, and I just like made a flat space. And by the time that bloat had ha- was starting to happen... Somebody had gone out and found things from nature to cover that space. So there were like branches and seashells and moss, and it was just and flowers, and it was just so beautiful uh, to come into, just sort of spontaneously with a small group.
0: That was pretty cool. I was wondering how that all came about. That was very neat. That the the Frey and the Freya altars within that one space. That was really cool
1: mm-hmm yeah and i oh and you were there too right
0: yes yeah yeah uh the the vanir are very close to me i consider myself vanic so mm-hmm. i uh, work a lot with the vanic gods and goddesses freya particularly of of that trink and nihilenia uh and i held a, a bloat to nihilenia but we had a few people there and we got to share about nihilenia and do a nice little bloat to her which was really nice as well so i I'm glad to be able to share more about her since she has been so uh, obscure and absent for so long until uh, we're starting to learn more or see more evidence of her worship and things. So now now she's really connecting with a lot of folks, which is great.
1: Yeah, you had told me that that was going to happen, and I was very sad to have to miss it, but I'm glad that it went well.
0: It did. It was nice. It was nice. There's a, there a lot of cool stuff going on. hmm So... Do you think you'd like to attend a Trost Mood in the future again?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it is, uh, I am going to say, a priority at this point. I really cannot underscore enough how how fed I was by this. It was It was really good to have this specific community. And I made so many friends and had such a good time that next year, I, if at all possible, will be coming again.
0: That would be great. Me too. So, wow. Well, I'm glad to hear that, Luke. And I'm glad to hear that uh, you're having a good experience with the troth and looking forward to uh, chatting with you more and watching more about what you're doing. Uh, uh, So are anyone who's listening, if they're interested, they could read most of your stuff on the Wild
1: Hunt? That's correct. Yeah. You can read my stuff under the columns section of the Wild Hunt. I am published there on the second Saturday of every month.
0: Great. Well, thanks so much for sharing your time with Trostmoot with us. And we'll look forward to having you back with someone else. We're going to talk about Loki, in particular, worshiping and honoring and working with Loki on a more personal scale. And we'll kind of get into a little bit, a lot more of the details of who he is and how he's working with people today. And I'm really looking forward to that conversation.
1: So am I. Uh, just let me know and I will be here. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Well, thanks, Luke. I appreciate you joining us, and we look forward to, to keeping in touch and sharing a lot of the stuff that you have.
1: Thank you. You have a good one.
0: Thank Luke for joining us on the podcast and for sharing their experiences about Trosmuth. That was really, really fun. Now, also in the news, there's a new podcast out. It's a Heathen History podcast. This podcast will be looking at the history of the modern heathen practice from the early 19th to 20th century influences to the 70s and 80s development and into today. Hosts Ben and Lauren are no strangers to heathenry in practice, publication, media, and understanding of the growth of heathenry and its many different practices. So check it out from Podbean or via iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. They are on Facebook, on Twitter, as at Heathen History, or on the web at HeathenHistory.com. And I'll include links in the notes, so check them out. Follow me on Twitter, at Weird Gifts. Like my Facebook page, at Gifts of the Weird. Send me an email with ideas for topics, Gifts of the Weird at gmail.com. Check out the show notes for links. Thank you, and hail the gods. And slowly a tear rolls down your cheeks. We're slowly
1: to her.